0: There's nothing that you could do. There's, there's no great sin that you could have ever committed that would be a barrier between you and Jesus. To learn more about Elevate, how you can get connected, or how you can support the work that Elevate is doing in Erie, visit elevateerie.tv. So good morning, good morning. You guys good this morning? Hey, um, you guys sound great in worship, but doesn't the band, the band do a great job today kind of leading you guys? They do a great job every single week of helping us get into the presence of God through worship and through setting that atmosphere. And I love it. I love worshiping with you guys. Um, my name is Colby. By the way, if you're a guest here, I'm the pastor, and uh, I want to welcome you. We're in this series called The ABCs of Financial Freedom, which is going to be a real practical look at how and uh, what the God's, God's word says about money and how we deal with money. Now, I know as soon as I say that, you know, many people will be like, Colby, I'd rather talk about hell than talk about money in the church. But the reason why we're doing it, many of you know, is God's word says so much about it that scripture talks about it, God talks about it, Jesus talks about it, and God's word doesn't say a lot about money because he's so concerned with money, right? His concern is with us. It's all his anyway. It all belongs to him, and he's really concerned with us. Dave Ramsey says this, is that our wallet is connected to our heart, and the Bible says that where our treasure is, that's where our heart is, and I know as soon as some of you hear that, you push back. You're like, no, 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 that's not true. You know, that's you want to argue that point, and I would say, that's fine, argue it, but then go pull up your bank statement, right? Because what you spend your money on really is reflected in what you value and what's important to you. So that's why we're diving into this subject matter and really seeing what God's word has to say about it. In fact, I just want to start with this. We get, we get notes every now and then uh, from, from people in the offering or whatever. And, and I just wanted to share this one with you that somebody wrote last week. They say, Colby, my employer thought I did an excellent job last year and gave me a bonus. It was deposited in our bank account this week and our first expenditure is to the Lord via the tithe, 10%. We pay him first and it always has brought us blessing in return and I just love that. People putting God's word really to the test and we asked you guys last week, hey, don't take my word for it, right? Because I'm, I'm the pastor so I, I understand that there's some pushback and there's maybe a lack of trust when I start talking about money. Well, ask someone else. Ask anybody that ties, and they'll tell you how much of a blessing it is for them. And the reason why we're talking about this too is because the reality is most Americans live paycheck to paycheck. In fact, most Americans spend on average 26% more than they make. Like, Like I failed math 090 in college, but that's not good math right there right we can all agree that you know spending you know if you make a dollar you can't spend a dollar 26 it doesn't work that way but the reality is most americans spend more than they make and i'm not kidding and i'm not trying to be dramatic when i say what we're going to teach and what we're going to talk about over the next few weeks has the power and the potential to change your life forever Like, I mean it forever, so don't just turn this off. Don't tune this out because it's, you know, talking about money. Instead, like, turn it up. Like, really engage, like, lean into this, because if you want freedom in this area of your life, I truly believe uh, that God's word has the ability to do that for us like nothing else can, and um, God placed this on my heart about a year ago or so to talk about in church, and I was meeting with some other pastors on part of this community called The Brotherhood. Um, Matt Keller, he's the pastor of Next Level Church in Fort Myers, Florida. I know that's real hard, right, to be a pastor in Fort Myers, Florida, but Whatever. Uh, and I was down there for a conference and just kind of sharing some of this stuff with him. And he pointed me in this direction of that book, The ABCs of Financial Freedom, that we have available for you guys at the Hub for five bucks. That's that's less than what our cost was because we just want to get it into your hands. And he talked about this series. And the thing I love most about it is how simple and practical it is. Because that's really our MO around here, right? We want it to be simple. We want it to be practical and really engage us on our level. So last week we kicked this whole thing off uh, with a foundational talk talking about if we want to have God's spirit on our money, and I encourage you to go back and listen to that talking about mammon and God and uh, how God wants to bless our money, open the floodgates, you know, to, to rebuke the devourer on our behalf, that God wants to be able to trust us with what he's given us and really kind of set the tone for this series with a simple equation, return, manage. You know, return plus manage equals true riches. This week, though, today, we're gonna dive right into the first letter in this book, and that's the letter A, for the ABC's A, and that is attitude. And I encourage you, if you wanna take some notes, to jot this down, because this is going to be real practical for us. Um, Because here's what I know. Every one of us has a current picture uh, of our finances. Every one of us has a current kind of financial picture of where you are. If you going to take a snapshot today of your finances, of what, what that looks like for you, maybe your current picture could look something like this. That's awesome right there, right? Like maybe not that, but maybe your current financial picture could be represented by, by that kind of picture. It's calm. It's peaceful, right? It's, it's serene. There's no anxiety. There's no stress. You know, you're just kind of living the dream. You feel Relax. Now, my friend actually took that picture. Her name's Lisa Gazinski. Her job is to like travel around to these resorts and take pictures. That's a tough life right there. But maybe your financial picture kind of looks like that, is represented by something like that. Or perhaps, maybe when we talk about your snapshot of your finances, it's more represented by, by this right here. Just kind of a normal day. Like, you're just kinda of walking around, doing your thing. It's average, you know, the sun's out, it's not a bad day, there's nothing wrong with that picture. You're not feeling stressed, you're not feeling overwhelmed, right? You're, you're, you're meeting, you know, all the, the bills that you have, you're making things happen, it's nice, it's pleasant, you're, you're doing okay, and that might be how you feel in your finances. But for some of you, when you think about your current financial picture, it looks more like, like this. Like, it's not raining yet, but it's coming, right? There's dark clouds on the horizon, like it's getting ready to storm. And sometimes even like like knowing that it's coming causes you more stress, knowing that the bills are coming due, knowing that that if something doesn't change in your current financial picture, like the flood is about to hit and it causes you stress on your marriage, stress in your relationships, right? You're living paycheck to paycheck. There's going to be this flood. And then my fear is some of you, your, your financial picture looks more like this right here. It's just all-out hurricane. It's chaos. You're looking at foreclosure. You're looking at bankruptcy, right? This is killing your relationships, your marriage, your family. Like, if, if this is your financial picture, like, you're afraid to answer the phone when it rings, Because you just think it's another creditor that's calling you, you know, attacking you. You don't want to go to your mailbox, you know, because for fear of, you know, having another notice in there, first notice, second notice, right? Something like like that. So where are you today? Like, which one of those describes your financial kind of picture? Because here's what I believe wholeheartedly. I believe this with 100% certainty is that that that's not God's desire for you. That God's desire for you looks more like this first one right here. And not that. I'm not saying that God wants you to go there, there. If you're going to go there, there, take me with you there, okay? I'm just saying what that represents. That God's desire for you is is to be be not anxious, not overwhelmed. I defy anyone in this room to find in Scripture where God's financial desire for you is to be in bondage. Like he says, "The, the borrower is slave to the lender. Like He doesn't want anyone in this room living in bondage or in a spiritual or a prison of of financial debt that that's not his best for you. In fact, he wants you to be wise with your money. The Bible also says in the house of the wise are stores of choice food and oil, but the the fool devours everything that he has. So God's desire for you is is peace. It's really to live that that abundant life. And this is just a representation of maybe what, what that means for you. He wants you to live in, a, in a, a situation where you have the ability to, to help out as, as needed, to embrace the opportunities that, that he sets before you. And I believe, according to God's word, that he really has a preferred picture for our finances. Now, while I can say we believe that, the reality is 99.9% of us, we're, we're not living that. In fact, in fact, I would say only a handful of us are living this normal average day right here. Only a handful of us feel like we're, we're making things happening. You know, we're, we're, we're not worried about deadlines. We're not stressed. We're not anxious. You know, we're, we're keeping up and there's nothing wrong with that picture. But I would say maybe half of us, if not more, are living here. Paycheck to paycheck, dark clouds on the horizon, stress, anxiety, the term um, emergency fund is a joke, right? Because you're like, how can I save for an emergency fund when I, don't, I can't even pay my current bills as they're coming in? Credit card debt is piling up. It's causing stress on your marriage, stress in your, your family. But then my greatest fear is that some of you in this room today, and maybe more than would like to admit, are living in, in this right here, where maybe it has killed your marriage, Maybe it has killed your relationships. You are in the middle of a financial storm, the middle of a crisis, the middle of of bankruptcy and, and foreclosure, and that's not God's intention for you. That's not God's best for you. That's why we're doing this series, because I believe in the pages of this book right here. If we will just do what God's word says for us to do, then we could really experience that financial Freedom. And that's the potential that these next few weeks really holds for us and in this church. That you could change, like, what your family looks like. You could change what your, your marriage looks like. You could change the, the future generations, that future generations would benefit from what we're going to study over the next few weeks in here. Because God wants better for us. Now, you might say, All right, Colby, I'm in. I, I don't want that. You know, I desire to, to have this, this picture look differently. You want to change your financial picture. You say, well, how do I do that? I want to give you four things to write down. The first is this. You got to have a vision. You got to have a vision. You got you to gotta know where you're going. You got to know what that preferred financial future looks like for you. You know what vision is? Vision is a picture, like those pictures, vision is an image, vision is a mental image of what the future will or could look like. Vision is, is a dream. Vision is a dream. So if you're ever going to change that financial picture that you're in, what is your dream? What is that, that vision that you have? Proverbs twenty nine eighteen says this, that without vision, people what? Perish, like they, they die. Could it be that since you've been operating, and many of us operate without a vision in our financial resources is why we're dying. We're perishing. We don't have a vision for it. Another translation says, without vision, people cast off restraint. They live unrestrained. And that defines our American culture to a T when it comes to the way we spend. Like We spend like without restraint, right? There's zero restraint. We just kind of spend, spend, spend all we want. Uh, that defines our our culture. Like, we learn this from an early age, right? As soon as you're old enough to get an MBNA credit card with 27% interest, that's my story. Like, we learn this like, hey, why don't we just get it now? Why why wait for it? We live unrestrained. If you want it, man, just, just get it. There's no need to wait. Just put it on the card. Another translation of that verse says this, without a vision, people go their own way. You can go your own way, go your own way. Nobody's feeling that? All right, that's fine. But without a vision, that's what people do. You just do whatever you want. That's why the average American has $7,000 worth of credit card debt and it's climbing. Like, you just do whatever you want. We just go our, our own way without a vision. We're simply wandering through this life. Without a vision, we're living unrestrained. Without a vision, we're going our own way. Could it be possible that without a vision, without a mental image of what that preferred financial future looks like for us, we die? We could die. So what's your vision? That's the question. What does it look like like for you? Like when you close your eyes and you imagine that preferred financial destination what comes to mind what does that beautiful island scene kind of represent for you financially see i believe the reason why our current reality looks nothing like that dream is this if you want to write it down it's always easier to embrace the now than to sacrifice for the later isn't that true it's always easier to embrace what's right in front of us. It's always easier to embrace the immediate than to, like, work, than to, like, sacrifice for something later. Like, who wants to do that? Like, why, why do I want to wait for it? When I can have that new iWatch now, I don't have to save up $7,000. I don't know how much they cost, 400 bucks, you know, for that thing. When I can get it, like, why would I have to wait for that if I could get it right now with my credit card? Why, why, why wait uh, for, that, for that, you know, benefit of of later and saving and investing when I can get that $4 caramel macchiato right now every single day. Because it's easier to do that than sacrificing for later. Later is never as appealing, is it, as wanting it now. And it's always easier to embrace now than to sacrifice for the later. But what we don't realize is either way, it's a sacrifice for us. In fact, having a vision helps you sacrifice what's now for the dream of what's next. That's what a vision does. And there's power in having a vision because when I'm focused on that dream, when I'm focused on that mental image, on that picture of what the, the preferred financial future looks like, the stuff that's now doesn't look near as good as what's later. That's what vision will do for you. Vision gives you power to do that. It focuses your attention. It gives you clarity. Vision enables you to say say yes to decisions that help you reach that goal and it empowers you to say no to the ones that don't and it's okay to say no. Vision, having vision, having a pinpoint destination allows you to, to have a roadmap to getting from where you currently are to where you want to be financially. So you got to have a vision. It starts with having a vision. So here's your homework today. Tomorrow, get together with your spouse. Do this individually and write down five to six things that categorize your financial vision. It's five to six things. Maybe it's getting out of debt. Maybe it's not, you know, uh, no more car payments, no more home payments, no more credit cards. You know, you're gonna get rid of all of it. Maybe it's buying your first home. Maybe that's what that, that beautiful, you know, beach island day looks like for you. It's not renting anymore. You just wanna get your own place. Maybe it's saving for your kid's college. Maybe it is going on a vacation and paying cash for it. Like, write it down. What are the things that categorize your preferred financial vision? The Bible says that we should write the vision down and make it plain. Like, write it down on paper, on purpose. Why? Why would we write it down? Otherwise, how do you know when you've got there? How do you know when you've arrived at that point? What does that beautiful picture look like for you? Maybe it looks like when you get to see a need, you get to meet that need because you're, you're able to do it. Maybe it looks like blessing the socks off someone with generosity just because you could. Maybe for some of you, it looks like, you know, hey, you had the intention, you have the heart to, to, to honor God with the tithe. And maybe that's what that looks like for you. You wanna consistently be able to do that. What is that destination? You have to have a vision. The second thing is this, is you got to have right thinking. You want to change your financial future, that, that, that picture, you got to have a vision and you got to have right thinking. Because when it comes to our money and it comes to our, our money problems, most of us don't like to think we are the problem, do we? We like to believe that the problem is somewhere else, that the problem is external, that we're not the issue. But you have to have right thinking. you got to take responsibility. you got to take ownership for this. A lot of times we'll say, well, if I, just, if I just made more money. When it's not about the amount of money that you're making, it's how you're managing what you have. Or if my boss, you know, wasn't such a jerk and he would just pay me what I'm worth, right? Or, or, or if, if they would do this. And we, we think our problem financially is external, but it's not. My financial problems begin and end with Me, Dave Ramsey says, with the guy that I shave with, right, in the mirror. So if I go to McDonald's every single day for a year and I order a double cheeseburger meal with a Biggie fry and a large Diet Coke, because we all know having the Diet Coke cancels everything else out, (laughs) and I gain 50 pounds, I can't go sue McDonald's for being fat, can I? But did you know that's happened before? Like people have actually done that? That's my responsibility. I have to take ownership for that. And when it comes to my finances, it's the same thing. We have to have the right thinking about it. Proverbs 23, seven says this, for as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. So our thoughts create our reality. So if you were raised in the environment that just says money is just a necessary evil, that you're just always gonna live paycheck to paycheck, that that's always gonna be your picture, the storm clouds are coming, you're just gonna barely get by, then that's all it will ever be. Oftentimes, you know, we can uh, have these self-fulfilling prophecies by, by thinking these thoughts. If you believe that money's always gonna be this tornado in your life, this hurricane, it's always gonna be chaos in your life. As a man thinks in his heart, so he is. And I just believe that that's not God's best for you, that he wants you to have a different financial picture, that your world doesn't have to look that, that way. So you got to have a vision, you got to have right thinking, and then number three, write this down, you got to surrender control. Surrender control. In fact, if you want to write next to that word, you can just write the word heart on this. Because when it comes to changing our our picture, our financial picture, at the end of the day, it's really an issue of control. Who's calling the shots? Who's leading? Who's in charge? The Bible says, we talked about it last week, that you can't serve two masters. You're either going to love the one and hate the other, or you're going to hate the one and love the other. That no man can serve both God and money. Jesus says that money is that number one competitor for our Heart that where your treasure is, there your heart is also. That there's this competition that's going on right now in your life battleground heart. That's this happening that somebody's trying to get your attention, that's trying to, to get your heart. It's kind of like this is this is my favorite time of year March Madness, right? Go cats, go cats, big blue. All right, one cat fan, all right, sweet. Like, I love this time of year, I love the competition. This is the only time that I'll watch like sports on TV. I just love the enthusiasm, I love all the brackets, I love the teams, I love all that, and we are huge, huge Kentucky fans in our house, like like Big Blue Nation, We Bleed Blue, all that kind of stuff. On my bracket, who do you think I have winning the tournament? Michigan. Whatever, Nova. No, Kentucky, come on, people, Kentucky. Like, of course, Kentucky, I don't care if they're the number one seed or the 16 seed, right? It doesn't matter, right? I'm loyal. Kentucky has my heart. Even if I don't think, even if I don't feel like they're going to win the whole thing, it doesn't matter. I'm standing by my team. I'm going with them at all costs. I'm bought in. I'm sold out to Kentucky. Now, following Kentucky is fun. Following Jesus is life, is life. And I don't follow Jesus just when I think we're going to win. I don't follow Jesus just when things are easy, but I follow him when it's hard. I don't follow Jesus just when I, I feel like it in this area of my life. I follow him because I'm loyal. I'm following him because I'm sold out, because I'm bought in. I'm not just a fan, right, of Jesus. I'm a fully devoted follower because he has my heart. Because there's this competition that I know in my life. That Jesus wants to have control over my heart. I've surrendered control to him. The spiritual word for that is the word lordship, if you want to write that down. You've heard that before in church. You know, we say Jesus is our Savior and our Lord, Savior and Lord, Savior and Lord. They're two very different things. Jesus is our Savior when we recognize that for God so loved the world that he sent Jesus to die for us, that he rescued me that my sin caused separation with God. And the only way that I could have a relationship with God was through Jesus. And so him dying for me and me receiving him as savior of my life enabled me, made it possible for me to have that relationship with God. So Jesus, in that sense, is my savior. And he's, many of you in this room, he's your savior too, but is he your Lord? Is he your Lord? Again, it's a very different thing. Saying he's your savior oftentimes is, is, a, uh, is having that moment of recognition in what he did for you, but, but showing that he's Lord is a lifetime of devotion, is a lifetime of living for him, even when you don't feel like it, even when things aren't going your way, even when it looks hard, looks like you might not win, or you feel that way, you surrender to him as Lord, having him be the Lord of your life, surrendering control, letting go, knowing that Jesus is calling the shots, there is a huge difference between Savior and Lord. In fact, Lordship is defined this way as having supreme power or rule. And the way that this is realized in our finances is for you and I to surrender control of that to Jesus, to his Lordship. And I believe it will never change our financial picture until we do. Now, Doing that, a lot easier said than done. I get it. Like surrendering control, like that's, that's hard to do. So how do, we, how do we do this? Well, the first thing you need to do in, in order to surrender control is to acknowledge everything belongs to God. You have to get to that place where you understand God's sovereignty in every area of our life, that it all belongs to him. King David got to that point where he had this moment of realization. King David was one of the the greatest leaders. He was known after a man, after God's own heart. In 1 Chronicles 29, uh, starting in verse 10, he comes to this realization. And the Bible says, Then David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, O Lord, the God of our ancestor Israel, may you be praised forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, the majesty, and everything in the heavens and on earth is yours. Like David was keenly aware, right, that God owned everything, that he created everything, that it all belonged to him. And he says this, O Lord, this is your kingdom, your kingdom. We adore you as the one over who, rule, who is over all things, wealth and honor come from you alone. Everything that I have, everything that we see, God, I know comes from you. For you rule over everything, power and might are in your hand, and at your discretion, people are made great and given strength. Verse 13 says, oh, our God, we thank you and praise you for your glorious name. And then David turns all introspective right here and says, but who am I? Like, how? Who am I? Who, who are we? How do we even get to this point, God, that we could give you anything? David is saying, God, it doesn't even seem right that even though everything comes from you and is through you and your generosity to us, the fact that we get to give it back to you, everything has come from you and we give you only what you first gave us, Don't miss this. David is saying we can't believe that we get to participate in making an impact for your kingdom when all this comes from you in the first place. And not only that, God, but when we give it back to you, you give us the credit for it. Like, that's just crazy. It's crazy that you would give to us, and then as we give back to you, you give us the credit. David was blown away by this, but he understood that everything belonged to God. And that's how we surrender control. The other way is that we understand the difference between ownership and possession. We understand the difference between ownership and possession, and it's a whole lot easier to surrender control when we get this right. Because you understand this principle. Like, just because something's in your possession doesn't mean you own it, does it? Like, just because the bank has your money doesn't mean they own it, right? That's like, you don't do that. Business leaders, you get this. Like, you understand this principle. If you, if you happen to own the Krispy Kreme up on Upper Peach Street, and I know I said Krispy Kreme, and someone here, that's all you can think about now for the rest of the morning, fine. Krispy Kreme, what? But you own the Krispy Kreme on Upper Peach Street, and your, your worker comes in, and he grabs a truck early in the morning, and he loads that thing up with like 50,000 donuts or however many he can fit in the back of that truck, and he gets in the truck, and he s- turns it on, and it takes off, and he has this thought, hey... I got me a truck, and I got me 50,000 donuts in the back of this truck. I can do whatever I want, right, with 50,000 donuts. You know, I'm just going to go to Buffalo. I'm going to go wherever. I'm going to sell these for myself and keep it. No, 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 no. Like, that doesn't work. Why? Because he's in possession of it, but he's not the owner of it. And so we, we understand that when it comes to business. We understand that in these kinds of environments. So why is it when it comes to God that that we have an issue with this. Why is it when it comes to God, it's hard for us to accept? Like it's God's truck. Those are God's hot now donuts, right? It all belongs to him anyway. It's all on temporary loan for us to be used for his purpose. It's again, an issue of lordship. And when we don't truly believe that everything is God's, it's easy for me to think, well, just because I possess it, then I must own it. But that's not true. That's not the case. You can go ahead and get that. 1 <laughs> Corinthians 4.2. Sorry, I'm not trying to make you feel bad. 1 Corinthians 4.2 says this. Now a person who is put in charge as a manager must be faithful. Must be faithful is that, that difference of of, of Possession and ownership is the difference of stewardship. That's a churchy word. Stewardship and ownership. Like, we're called to be good stewards. We're called to be good managers of what God has entrusted us with. And we just understand that it doesn't belong to us anyway. And that's how we surrender it to God. You got to have a vision. You got to have right thinking. You got to surrender your control. And the last one is this you got to change your behavior. Like, it's great to talk about vision. It's great to talk about um, right thinking in our, in our heart. It's great to talk about surrendering our control. But if that's all it is, is, is just talk, and you don't change any of your actions, your behavior, like at some point, like we gotta make some changes. Dave Ramsey says this. He says personal finance is 20% head knowledge, 80% behavior. 20% what you know, 80% what you do and you got to change your behavior how do how do I do that well the first thing you do is you got to believe God and you got to you got to buy into this you got to take God at his word you got to trust that the principles and the things that he outlines in his word are there for your benefit are there because he wants to bless you because he wants us to do it his way you got to believe him because how we behave really is shaped by what we believe what we believe, behavior is simply just a, a byproduct of, of what you and I believe. And why do we do this? Because I believe God alone is the only one who can change this for us. God alone is the only one that can help to change our financial picture and we just believe that as he leads us as he guides us as we we buy into his promises and his word according to his principles in his book it's the only way that we can take what's in here you know and and move into our head and take it from our head to our heart and ultimately from our heart to our hands like we we have to act on it and that takes work right takes hard work to do not just want not just the desire you can want this all day but, you know, how's that feel to want, right? You can want it all day, want won't get you there. Work will. Work will get you there. But it's possible. It's possible. And it comes down to believing in God's word. It also comes down to discipline. Write that down, discipline. It comes down to sacrifice, comes down to self-denial. It comes down to changing some things in your life. Desire is not going to get you there. Desire, you, you could die with desire. You could die with the desire to change your financial picture, and it never happened. Like, I desire to have a six-pack of abs, but desire is not going to make that happen. Discipline. Discipline is the difference. Discipline allows you to reach that ultimate destination. Only discipline can get you where your desire wants you to go. So here's the question. What are you willing to give up? Because this is, this is the hard part. This is where the rubber meets the road, right? I mean, this is the difficult part. What price are you willing to pay to get there? Because really it's all on us in order to see our financial picture change, because I really believe God wants that for you. And again, my heart hurts because I think many of us in this room, man, we're living, you know, to, to move from like, like, like tornado to, to just a storm cloud in the distance, that takes hard work. To move from that storm cloud to, to normal, average, just kind of a nice kind of financial picture, that takes work to move from that to, you know, this beautiful, stress-free, peace-filled You know, finance thinking, it takes hard work to get there. So what are you willing to do in order to get there? And I honestly believe that if you'd have a vision, if you'd write it down, you know, if you would make it plain, if you would put it on paper, if you had that destination where you'd like to end up so you could have a roadmap of how how to get to that point, if you'd think right about this take responsibility, take ownership for it, that you surrender control, realizing that, that Jesus wants to be Savior and both Lord of your life. That means in everything that we do, he is, he is Lord. And if we changed our, our behavior and we took God at his word, here's what I believe, that this month, that this year, your picture could change. I really do believe that. And our desire is that no one lives in that bondage, in that prison of financial debt the question is what are you willing to do are you willing to take god at his word get disciplined here's the reality some of you you like shopping more than you like getting disciplined more than you like making sacrifices you love you love lattes more than you like making sacrifices but it's really the only way i believe for us to change this picture in our life what are you willing to do to change that picture let's do this why don't you bow your head And close your eyes, and just even as we think through these, to this, it sounds simple, but we all know it's not. In fact, changing behavior is one of the most difficult things that we can ever do. We get to that point where we surrender control and understand that Jesus is Lord over every area of our life, and we just buy into God's word, we just believe, and then what a disciple is is someone who is disciplined, someone who is a follower. That this is not. This is not just we're we're a fan, we come to church on Sunday, but we devote ourselves to the teaching, to the preaching, to to God's word, to what that looks like in our life, to making some necessary changes along the way. So here's the questions while we're praying. What's your vision? Have God make it clear. Pray about it. Seek God together as a family, as a couple. What's what's your vision for that? Now, do you have right thinking Do you understand that everything that we have comes from God? Do you surrender control? Is Jesus both Savior and Lord? Today. And are you willing to change your behavior? Because that's really the only way to get there. Now, while we're praying in this room, as we said, Savior and Lord, Savior and Lord, some of you are like, I don't know what that means. You've You've never even... Received Jesus as Savior, here's what you need to know today, is that God so loved you that he sent Jesus to die for you, to cover you. Through his sacrifice, through his blood on the cross, he covers all of our sin. And so you and I don't have to pay for our sin in a place called hell, because that's what hell is. It's a place where people pay for their own sin. But you don't have to do that because Jesus already paid for it for you. And the moment we call on his name and surrender our life to follow him and, and draw closer to him, he says, We're saved, we're saved. And then this process of, of becoming a disciple and following Jesus, being fully devoted to him, man, is this journey that, that begins in our life and we become more and more like Christ. So if today you're far from God and you've never understood that he died for you, wants to rescue you, and today you want to call him a savior you wanna call on him as savior of your life, today i want to give you that opportunity. I'm gonna lead you in a prayer that someone helped me pray a long, long time ago. And it just goes like this. You can whisper it to God, you can pray it in your heart. Jesus, today, I surrender it all to you. I give my life to follow you. Thank you for dying for me, for saving me. And so from this point on, I confess you as savior of my life and I also confess you as Lord which means from this point on I surrender control and I devote my life to following you every step of the way in Jesus' name, amen. We're always encouraged to know that God is using Elevate to bless people's lives. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, share your story online at elevateeerie.tv.